Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, Season 7, Episode 9. Don't be afraid to network. Don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, be a sponge. Learn as much as you can. Don't think you have all the answers. I mean, that's probably the biggest turnoff uh, for some guys is when you sit down with somebody and they, they act like they've got they've got it figured out and everybody else's ways wrong. I mean, there are so many ways to enhance an athlete's performance. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. This is the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon, and today we're joined by veteran strength and conditioning coach Rob Glass, the assistant AD for athletic performance at Oklahoma State University. Excited to dig into your background today, coach. Welcome. Well, thanks, Eric. Excited to be here and uh, looking forward to this opportunity to uh, share a little bit. Yeah, so just going through your bio and uh, in in your background in the field, it's it's exciting to connect with a coach with just so much experience uh, across multiple institutions. But one thing I thought was really interesting was that you're at your alma mater. Yes, yes. So I, I think that's really cool that you've been able to have such a fruitful career at, you know, where you got started and want to ask you, you know, what was your drive to get into strength and conditioning? Let's go back to the beginning. Well, so my my story is is a little bit unique. Um, so when I first uh, got into coaching, I was really wanting to coach on the field uh, and was working as a graduate assistant. Uh, with the wide receivers in the secondary. And and now I'm going to date myself, Eric, really, really bad. Uh, uh, but when I w- first got uh, going as a graduate assistant, uh, Oklahoma State really had one full-time strength coach and a part-time uh, helper, and that was uh, the legendary John Stuckey. So I was so fortunate because as graduate assistants back then, even though we were coaching on the field, we went to the weight room during the off season uh, and during the winter program and during the summer to help John, Coach Stuckey. So uh, I was got an opportunity to watch him work and, and I, I love working with, with athletes and helping them grow and evolve and reach the goals they've set for themselves. And um so, so that was my initial exposure to the strength side at that time. Now that's, you know, that's the mid eighties. So, um, you know, the, the, our profession, if you will, was, uh, very young, uh, at, at that time at the, in the collegiate setting, uh, was just kind of getting going. But so I got a chance to, to work with John, uh, quite a bit, uh, during my three years as a graduate assistant. Well, uh, John moved on to Arkansas and then we had uh, Jerry Schmidt came in for uh, about seven or eight months, uh, came from Notre Dame and then went back to Notre Dame. And, and Pat Jones was our head coach at that time. And Jerry kind of left, uh, had a quick, quick turnaround going back to work with Coach Holtz at Notre Dame. And we were just starting our winter program. And, and Pat Jones, our head football coach, is like, can you run this winter program for me? I'm in the middle of recruiting. I don't have time to try to find a, a strength coach. So that was my first exposure, Eric, was to just, I got dropped in the grease, if you will. So that was it, but but I kind of fell in love with it. Uh, really enjoyed that aspect of year-round working with uh, young athletes 
trying to help them, you know, achieve uh, the goals that they've kind of set for themselves. Uh, so that's a little bit of how how I shifted from the field to to the uh, athletic performance side and working in the weight room and on the field in a different role. Um, so that was kind of the that was kind of where it all started. Yeah, that's interesting. I like how you said dropped into the grease. You know, one thing comes up a lot on this podcast, especially around opportunities as graduate assistants or as young coaches. Uh, kind of that mentality we get we get thrown into the fire in a sense of a lot of responsibility all at once working with multiple teams um, even in some cases for coaches that want to be football specific strength and conditioning coaches or but getting experience across multiple sports or in uh, lower division schools everybody sort of has a different path but that that dropped into the grease mentality is really something that is a theme across our field because, um, as you know, managing a staff, you know, there's always work to be done and you always need help. And those roles are really vital. Uh, want to ask you about your management style. Uh, you have a awesome staff. We know Gary Calcagno who won the NSCA assistant coach of the year last year and, uh, just getting to know your staff and, hearing great things about how you lead that group, you know, what expectations do you have for your assistant coaches and, you know, how do you approach that, that part of your job? So, um, you know, there's been a huge evolution with me over these 38 years in kind of really our profession, but so early on, you know, uh, it was important for me. I, I wanted to find uh, staff members that were, uh, were good instructors, good teachers, because ultimately that's still what we are. Um, it's a, the ability to teach and communicate effective lifting techniques, uh, you know, program design, you know, and understanding uh, what, as, as we've grown as, as a profession, you know, early on, kind of what we hit on a little bit earlier, it was me and, and uh, one other guy, and, and we were working all, all teams. We worked with all the teams at Oklahoma State, and it tried to do your best. And, and so as staffs have grown and we've had the ability to hire more people, um, we've kind of expanded from, the, so ultimately to answer your question, Eric, I'm still looking for guys that are, and gals that are great teachers because that's really what we do um, and, and have good leadership skills and are willing to learn. That's the big piece to me is uh, when I, I'm looking for staff members that are, that don't really feel like they've arrived, that they're always wanting to grow. They're always wanting to learn. Uh, now it's important that our methodology methodologies align because it's, I think, important in it. Uh, over the years, you know, if, if you've got uh, an assistant strength coach that's working with a certain team and, and their training techniques and methodology are much different than what everybody else is doing, sometimes the athletes causes some indecisiveness in their minds. Like, well, why are we doing this? And they're doing that. So we try to, we try to adhere to uh, certain fundamental principles in our methodology when we write programs. Uh, but uh, the big thing for me that, that that's really changed over these 30 plus years is we become so uh, refined in our sports specific training, if you will. Uh, and so I want to find uh, if I it, like if I've got a position open and it's assigned to a certain team or different couple teams, uh, does somebody 
I'm not really looking to, to see if they have that expertise with that sport, but are they willing to grow and learn within that sport? The, the biggest thing I will tell you this, my, when I went to University of Florida, the, the sports programs at Florida are, at that time were uh, across the board, swimming, gymnastics, everybody was top five in the country. But I got an opportunity to really uh, immerse myself uh, in the specific training of those teams you know, from energy systems to common injury sites to, you know, just muscular structure, uh, you know, what what needed to be, what was paramount for high-level performance and what maybe was, wasn't. Uh, so we were able to really hone in on uh, sports-specific training. Uh, but to answer your question to me, it's it's really important that that a staff member, that they're, they're like a sponge. They're just, they're continually learning uh, and they're, they're great teachers. Uh, but the art profession is, 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 I, you know, I think, you know, it's sometimes now for some of the younger coaches, you know, uh, I would love to have a history lesson for some of them, you know, uh, some people, I, I'll, I'll have young graduate assistants come in for internships out of our university. And I'm like, do you know who Boyd Epley is? And they're like, well, who's that? Uh, you know, I mean, it's just wild. Or, uh, so I really, uh, I, We've grown enough in the uh, and the evolution of our industry. You know, there's some historical markers that I think everyone should still kind of have a, a handle on. So to me, it's that understanding and, and being a sponge and wanting to learn, hey, how 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 this profession that I love so much, how did it evolve? How did what, how did it get here? How, how did we get where we're at? It's important, you know, you keyed on the the foundational principles that drive your staff that align everybody kind of rowing in the same direction. But, uh, you know, one thing, and you're speaking to the growth of our profession, there's a lot more strength and strength and conditioning coaches now, a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, and with that, we see a lot of different personalities. I think sometimes we joke around about it, everything from the, the get back coach to the on the floor coach to the now, I mean, look at your role, kind of the coaching administrator in a sense, and we're starting to see more of these uh, senior level leadership roles at institutions. And that's that's huge for our profession to see that, you know, to see that growth. Uh, I want to ask you about professionalism in the field of strength and conditioning with all these different personalities and and roles that we play. What are sort of the the themes or key areas that you identify as professionalism for a strength and conditioning coach. Is that something you, you think about? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I do, because to me, everyone on our staff is a representative of me. Uh, so it's important to me that, that they carry themselves in a very professional manner. Uh, and, and, and bringing that up, Eric, I will, I will tell you. So, you know, in our industry, um, you know, from a compensation perspective and a ability, as you mentioned, to kind of move into maybe an administrative position. Some things you don't look at early when you're first kind of getting going because you're aggressive, you're on the floor, you're into different training methods, you're you're experimenting, you're you're studying. Uh, but there'll be there'll become a time when with all with all of us in this industry where. Uh, as you get a little older, uh, those 12 hour days, sometimes they're not as easy. And you start to look at strategies or you or you want to think about, you know, what what's where, where, where's my next move? How am I going to put myself in position 
so the professionalism is key because to me, uh, if you want your athletic director or your university president or your board of regents, as you a lot of times cross those paths, you want to be very impressive to them because there may be a time where, you know, they're looking to, hey, we're going to reorganize some of our, our athletic performance department. And, and we think you would be super for a, a more of an administrative role to take a little pressure off you from being on the floor for so many hours as you get a little older help drive your compensation a little bit. Everybody's always trying to help position themselves better there. So the professionalism piece speaks to all that. It, from the time you first start as a graduate assistant or even an intern, uh, you know, if the professionalism piece is there, you're going to get looked at in a much favorable light with people that are decision makers uh, for your career uh, moving forward. Sometimes when you're young, you may not think, hey, you know, I, I, I'd like to be the guy that kind of, you know, uh, is on the videos and those things. But in the end, what's your athletic director? Are you representing your university, your athletic department in a way that uh, speaks volumes, that they're very uh, proud of you? That's very important. And, and I think for us to garner respect uh, in the athletic world and to command uh, a better compensation, a better workforce, work day, um, you know, that's a huge piece. So I'm glad you brought that up because to me, that's, it's paramount for us to keep continually growing as an organization or a profession. Uh, the, the professionalism piece is, is paramount. We do have a lot of young coaches who listen to this podcast, but for coaches that have been in the field for a while that are maybe looking at that next step from on the floor coach to more of an administrative type role, uh, you know, just from your experience, what are the skills, what are the tools they should seek out to really push that skill set forward so that they, they can add value in, in really a new area, you know, that, and you sort of mentioned that. I, I think for me, and it, it's, and, you know, it's interesting. I've had an opportunity to do be involved in some different, uh, you know, uh, groups uh, with different, uh, industrial um, groups, if you will, that are kind of um, deep thinkers. And, and I'm amazed that uh, there's some young strength coaches that are way beyond me and their ability to operate, uh, you know, in an administrative world. But I, I think uh, to answer your question, it, it's still about the ability to communicate. It's the ability to, you know, organize uh, your thoughts and be able to communicate those and, and just organizational skills and, and willing to uh, study, you know, things that aren't necessarily in our wheelhouse. Uh, so when you get in that situation or you're in that, you know, senior staff meeting and you, you look organized and you put a lot of thought into it, it's not, Hey, you just sprinted into the meeting and then you get asked a question and you're not prepared. So Prepare, it's really what we do now. We're preparing athletes. It's the same thing there. You, you've got to make sure you're prepared for whatever meeting you're going into. And and um, and if it's an area that you're not well-versed in, the, the willingness to go back, like I said, when we were young, we to be a sponge, to learn. You know, maybe you're uh, drawing from people in other, other parts of the athletic department that can help fortify your expertise and your knowledge so you can communicate effectively in those meetings. Yeah, I love that. It speaks to the value we the values we preach with young coaches 
uh, be prepared, on time, organized. Uh, those administrative skills aren't that different from uh, from how we how we approach showing up as a GA or as an assistant strength coach when you're still figuring out your your thoughts and philosophies and and ways around the field. Uh, nearly four decades in the field, you've experienced significant growth as we've talked about. Uh, this, the field's changed a lot. Uh, you know, what are we great at today that maybe we weren't so great at in the early days? And then, you know, what's an area that you think we still have a long ways to go? Well, the, the first part of that question, you know, um, early, early on, um, strength and conditioning coaches are highly competitive. And sometimes that that competitive nature actually worked against us uh, because everyone was very uh, competitive. So um, the willingness to share uh, the combative, you know, I think that one, I'll tell you one thing for me, the biggest thing is, and, and I, I really never had this, but a lot of people that I talked to in our profession would run up against the sports medicine department would clash with the strength and conditioning department. Uh, and, and I, and it, a lot of it's you just that competitive nature and, and the, the, the big thing, the willingness to communicate and collaboratively sit down and talk about what, what's going on certain athletes that have um, you know, that you need to make adjustments or, or corrective things in programs because maybe they just, they're not prepared for it, or there's some type of issue, medical issue. Um, the, the communication piece, because in the end, that, that, that's the big thing. I, I think that there's been huge growth there early on. There was a little bit of a, a kind of a clash. Um, you know, you're wanting to do a certain style of training, you know, the medical team's kind of like, Hey, we probably shouldn't do that. They're not ready for that you know, you're trying to build toughness. We're trying to build resiliency. And, and there's a little bit of that um, where you, there's a little bit of um, some, some friction, but I think the big thing for me is those breaking down those barriers. You can go so much farther, so much faster. If you kind of just let that, that, that go and you say, Hey, or we're, 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 we're working together to help this athlete. So we need to work in harmony. So now you see a lot of universities that have performance teams. They sit down and meet. Um, so it's just that collaboration. Um, that's big. The growth, I would say, from the early days, uh, that piece is is huge. And and just effective communication. And I know I'm harping on it, but that's the thing. There's so many people that are involved with our student athletes today. Uh, if that's if that's the the world that you're in, or if you're just working with athletes in general. Um, you know, there's a lot of different people that are involved with them. So the communication to be able to effectively put together a program that, that maximizes who they are and where they would like to go. Love that. All right. Second part of the question, what are some areas we still need to improve? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, there, I think the big thing, uh, what, what I run into a little bit with some of our younger coaches that come on, uh, come in for internships or, or come on board with our organization for a period of time, uh, it's still studying and understanding like how to write a program 
not necessarily seeing something on the internet or uh, you know, a video and then trying to replicate that. It's it's the the younger uh, people in our profession understanding how to effectively write a program, how you know what what are the things you're looking for? What are we trying to get to versus uh, just grabbing something off the internet? Hey, let's try this today or let's try that. It's we we if we and it goes back to the professionalism piece, Eric. That that if we want our sport head coach or assistant coaches to go, wow, they're on top of their game or or they've got it dialed in, um, then we need to we need to to study what we want to do with the athletes so we make sure we're. We're training them in a proper way, in a safe way, but we're also uh, doing something that's going to actually enhance their skill sets. Most of uh, this is some of the things that we've had discussions with our younger coaches is I'm like, do you even understand how we why we were created? You know, what 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 was this all about? Sometimes now it's just it's the fitness industry or athletic performance industry and working out. It's just kind of what you do. Well, it was ultimately that baseball player, that basketball player, that football player, they're doing this to enhance their skills on the field, the sport. So are we effectively writing programs that are going to enhance why they actually do, do what we do? Or, uh, and so to keep that in mind, sometimes we lose sight of that. I think, you know, uh, everybody's trying to do something that grabs, you know, a, a hundred thousand views on the, on, on social media, and really what may be applicable to helping them become a better player is something that maybe doesn't get a lot of views. You know, I mean, it's not flashy or trendy. So I think it's, it's still um, with our younger uh, people coming in is just understanding how, how we, how we evolved. What, what, why did we evolve? What did this, how did this industry come about enhancing athletic performance? Totally. And, and on the programming side, you know, you're talking about the process of, you know, how did it evolve to the way we think of programming and exercise selection today? Uh, it's easy now to go on Instagram or Twitter and see, uh, oh, that exercise looks so cool or, you know, it mimics the sport. So uh, I'm going to use it and pull it into a program, but without really having that foundational uh, needs analysis uh, process to really build what you're trying to accomplish in your team setting with your athletes. And I think that's, uh, that's something I think about, you know, we, at the NSCA, we have a lot of events, we have a lot of conferences. And so I get to be in a lot of sessions. And one thing I try to tell young coaches is that, you know, it, and, and sometimes it perks their head up. A, it's, you're not always going to learn a lot in any given session or webinar or book. What you're going to learn is something's going to grab your attention and then you're going to go apply it with your uh, with your staff, with your teams. You're going to work through the challenges in your environment. And that's where really the learning happens. Uh, and so sometimes I you know, we're at a time now and you're, you're speaking to it where we have so much more information than, than the early days. And we have to educate young coaches how to manage that, that funnel of information so that we're still doing what we do well. And we're just not 
copying what's on the internet. So I'm really glad you shared that. I think that's a really important thought for young coaches to, to resonate. Uh, I would agree, Eric. And, 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 you know, to, to your point that the access to information. So I, I can remember what, so back to kind of being dropped into Greece, if you will. So here I am trying to coach on the field. I get put in the weight room to run a winter program. Okay. I'm like, the, the one thing I did know is that I didn't know. That was the one thing. So I thought, <laughs> I'm going to go try to learn from the best. So as soon as that winter program ended, I, I got in a car and I drove to Denver and I spent time with Al Miller. And I'm like, Al, I don't know anything, but they've told me that this is my job. I took it, uh, helped me to learn. So, um, you know, there was no internet. So I, you had to go visit people. I watched him train the Denver Broncos. Why are you doing this? Being very inquisitive, you know, try to get a couple books, read some books, uh, Soviet uh, recovery and training methods. I've got that thing highlighted. I still have it behind me. And that was some of the very first things to, to try to, to, to learn. And, and to your point, the access of information now is huge. It's, it's, it's almost like too readily available. I hate to say that because to your point, you have to decipher now what, what, truly has merit within what you need to do uh and, and that's that's probably where the the younger generations you know there's so much there i really probably glad i'm not very good on social media and so i'm probably glad that, that for me i it was a slow process it was a slow burn it was i'm going to go try to read a few of these books written by guys that are you know strong in the field i'm going to try to visit guys that are you know strong in the in the field ask questions, be able to develop some lines of communication. I've made through trial and error so many mistakes, I couldn't tell you. We couldn't put them all down in, in one uh, tablet. I mean, but so with all this access to information now, I think it's important that, that, that they understand, to your point, Eric, what am I trying to achieve here? What, what are, What's the goal of this training session? What's the goal of this if it's if it's a micro cycle or a macro cycle or whatever the duration of my training cycle is, when I get to the end game, what what, what am I trying to get? What what do I hope I achieve? And then I always tell all of our crew. To me, you write programs backwards. I, what what is the head coach? What do I need? Where do I need to be when this training cycle ends? And then I'm going to start writing. I actually write it backwards depending on the duration of the training cycle. You know. How, how many opportunities the athlete has to train, what kind of regulations am I up against if it's the NCAA or it's a high school situation? What are all those things? And then knowing all that, that's how I'm able to put the program together because ultimately the end game, that's that's where I'm trying to get. Uh, but if I just start grabbing stuff and putting stuff together, hodgepodge, I may not get where I need to be at the end of the training cycle. You know, and, and one of the real hidden positives of all this information we have today is that we have so much more access to people. Uh, it was, it's a lot different process in the early days, tracking down a mentor or someone in the field or the author of a book. But now you can find them on the internet. You can track down their email address and hopefully you'll get a reply if you reach out. Uh, 
you, what advice do you have for young coaches in today's world? You probably have a lot of folks reaching out to you, asking questions, trying to get connected. What's the, what's your advice for them? Well, I think you hit on it, Eric. I mean, it's still about networking and developing relationships where you can have, uh, you know, good dialogue, training dialogue, where you can ask some questions, but you've got to, uh, you know, you, you, you've got to develop that network. Um, and, and to me, that's, and, and that's how young coaches grow. I mean, uh, if you can, you know, whatever industry you're in, whatever sports you're in, if you can start to develop a network within that world, and then as that network starts to grow, you'll be shocked at how you'll just start to develop communication with people uh, that are essentially what somebody would say high up in that in that profession or that industry. And then from there, uh, that only enhances your, you know, now I've got a question about a certain training method. Well, I can call this person up and they can go, hey, yeah, we tried that. Wasn't so fun or whatever it may be. Or they may go, hey, we had phenomenal success with with that with that style of training. So uh, networking is still huge. And networking is big in any industry, really. And and the ability to grow, uh, learn about other job opportunities, um, you know, being able to demonstrate your skill set to others only enhances your ability. And, And that's probably a big thing I would say is sometimes it's uh, very easy to just kind of, Hey, I'm a guy on the floor or a gal on the floor. I'm, I'm, I'm dialed into working with my athletes, but you need, you need to dedicate some time to, um, research, dedicate some time to networking, reaching out to people. Don't be afraid to ask somebody, Hey, can I come visit you? I'd like to just come watch your training session. I won't be in the way. I just, and, and you learn, you'd be shocked how much you learn from just the observation. And sometimes, uh, it may just pacify it just it pacifies you to sometimes there's some anxiety hey i'm introducing some new things i hope it goes well and then you may go watch somebody else do it and go yeah this is awesome i'm going to go ahead and implement this in our programs so um just don't be afraid to network don't be afraid to reach out Uh, be a sponge learn as much as you can Uh, don't think you have all the answers i mean that probably the biggest turnoff uh for some guys is when you sit down with somebody and they, they act like they've got, they've got it figured out and everybody else's ways wrong. I'm like, there are so many ways to enhance an athlete's performance. Just what you choose, just be an expert in that methodology. That's what I would encourage uh, all the young strength coaches is, you know, whatever, whatever method you choose, uh, just, just be an expert in that method. Yeah, in this episode, we've kind of covered the evolution of strength and conditioning from the early days to today. And I think it's also important to say there's there's a lot of benefits today that, you know, we didn't have in the early days, you know, and the the growth of the profession, you know, we are on a path to make things better, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, I care about a lot at the NSCA is being for the profession, for the growth of this profession within uh, all areas, but, you know, talking to you in, in college sports, uh, I'd like to ask you, and, and you may or may not have all the answers on this topic, but college sports today are going through a lot of changes. Uh, we just came out of the pandemic. You know, there's always changes and, and shifts and different mentalities with NCAA, with NIL, and all the different things that coach, or that coaches and athletes are 
are working through. Uh, you know, what are some of the key areas that you think strength and conditioning coaches should focus on or just be aware of in today's world that, you know, it may be a little of the, the wisdom of just how you're working through these challenges today. That's a, that's a great question. Um, we're still working through them. How's that? <laughs> there you uh, go. It's a daily evolution. Um, you know, I think the big thing probably, um, you know, in the, in the, uh, call it the older days or, or years back, you know, there was probably a little bit more of a, Hey, when, when young athletes in the collegiate setting, anyway, um, when, when we would get a group of athletes in, we would initially just kind of try to break them down and then build them back up. That was kind of, kind of how things evolved. Um, but now, um, you know, the portal ability to transfer, um, you know, your NIL situations, there's so many things going on. Um, and, and the, and the athletes with them as well, going back to being an expert at whatever method you've choose, um, their, their exposure to training and their, or their ability to, to observe and watch, uh, they have, they have done that. So you've got to really be dialed in, uh, on when, when you put a, a program in place and probably what I would say that, that these athletes, uh, referring back to, you know, when athletes came in 20, 30 years ago and you kind of, it was a little bit more of kind of a, a boot camp mentality. Hey, we're going to break, break them down. And then we're going to build them back up where their confidence and resiliency is at an all-time high. But there's a little bit of a teardown process, you know, finding out who really, how, how bad they really want to be successful. And you didn't have to do a lot of uh, communication as to why you were doing certain styles of training, because the athletes in those days, they just wanted, they wanted to be great. And they were willing to do whatever you put in front of them. Athletes today, they need, they want to know why. That's what I would probably say. The big thing for us is we've spent a little more time in the um, explanation side of why we're doing every piece of a training program and what that's designed to help with. We probably should have done it earlier in the early days, but we just, that's just not how things were. Um, the athletes today want to know. So I think you have to be really diligent in uh, explaining why you're doing certain styles of training or whatever that application may be, because there's they're they're, they're more they're more educated. Their ability to 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 learn is easy. The access to information is so much easier. So I think Eric, that would be the big thing. Is is the big shift there? Is you, you've got to spend a little more time, uh, and and probably we were probably um, probably should have done a better job in the earlier days of that. But now these athletes today. So with that, you know, you've got your portal, you've got NIL, you've got so many things going on. Uh, but I think to, to really uh, enhance your program, if you do a little more uh, time in the explanation of we're, we're scanning on the force plate and, and, and this is why, and this is what it's going to tell us. And they, they want to know. So I think, and I don't know if I got away from your original question, but that's probably the, the big thing for me, the athletes 30 years ago to today, they have, 
access to information. So they're going to look it up. So you, you need to just be really diligent on explaining every facet of your program and why you're doing it. If it's your mobility at movements, your what, why, why that is and what sport, how that's going to help you. You know, as you're answering that, it, it made me think, you know, a common interview question that comes up a lot in our field or has over the years is, you know, what's your coaching philosophy or what's your training philosophy? And it's something that I think is a theme on this episode. And just what we've talked about is that there is an evolution to that. You know, what you, what it is day one might not be your approach 10 years in or 20 or 30 years in. And I think that's a really valuable takeaway for, for all coaches here is that we are constantly growing uh, individually as coaches, as, as humans. Uh, uh, It's something that is vital to consider as, you know, in supporting the coaching profession, just our human process as coaches to know that we need to continue to go into the tank, make ourselves stronger mentally, uh, more educated, uh, know what our athletes have access to, um, know key factors that our institutions are are working through, dealing with, considering. Um, there's a lot going on right now. I, I really appreciate you tackling that question. It was kind of intentionally broad because I don't think it's an area – or at least I haven't heard anyone that really has all the answers on this, but I, I appreciate you taking the time today, man. Well, thank you. And, and it's interesting because I, I, to, to that previous question, I don't know that we, any of us really still know how this is going to shake out with all the different variable factors that are involved with our athletes today. Um, but there's a lot to your point. There's a lot on their minds. So you got to be mindful of that um, for sure. Oh, this has been great. This has been great. I, I, I hope it hasn't, uh, I hope it's been good. Um, you know, I'm just kind of a guy that's been around for 38 or so years here doing this and trying to hang on. Know that we appreciate you. This is awesome. Uh, and I want to give you an opportunity. What's the best way if someone wants to reach out, ask you some more questions to do that? Probably my email, um, and, and I get a lot of emails. Uh, so no, and I'd love, I try to get back to everybody. Uh, sometimes it may be a little bit of a delay depending on what training cycle we're in, but my, my email, uh, would you like me to give it? Uh, yeah. Why don't you give yeah. it and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Okay. Uh, it's Rob R O B dot glass G L A S S at O K state S T A T E dot E D U. Yeah, just shoot me an email um, and then I'll try to get back to you as quick as I can. That's mostly how the communications that I get, um, uh, probably the best way uh, from that standpoint. I'd love to try to help all all the best I can. Um, but no, it's been fantastic, Eric. Sure enjoyed it. Yeah. Do it again sometime. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good, man. We'll definitely have you back. And um, yeah, to our listeners, we appreciate you tuning in to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We've been going for seven seasons now, the early days back with Scott Caulfield, and uh, just fortunate we can keep this thing going. Uh, and just, you know, I think it's one of the the best feelings uh, from our staff uh, to hear, you know, a coach coming up and saying, hey, I heard this topic on the 
NSCA coaching podcast. And that's really what we're going for. We want to make sure that the field is getting closer together, kind of what we talked about today with the uh, access to information and technology. And uh, Coach Glass, thanks again. Thanks, Eric. Sure appreciate it. Also, a special thanks to Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. Hi, coaches. I'm Leanne Blinn, the 2022 NSCA College Strength Conditioning Coach of the Year. You just listened to an episode of the NSCA Coaching Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to hear important conversations about the strength conditioning profession. Don't miss an upcoming episode. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and comment on some of the highlights at NSCA's Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also hear full episodes on the NSCA's newest channel, NSCA.tv. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.